Sparkin' Conversations, a podcast for electricians, hosted by an electrician. The Electrical Association is committed to keeping electricians in the know about the latest developments in the industry. Experts will be on to help answer the tough questions, talk shop, and give tips to help make your jobs work. Welcome to another podcast production of Sparkin' Conversations from the Electrical Association. My name is Clara Albert, and I am the current executive director for the Electrical Association. I will be guest hosting today in place of our wonderful director of education, Mike Miller. I have two incredibly special guests with me today who I'm excited to have on our show. Those of you who have been in the industry for a while surely know Judy Rabin and Tom Copperwood. Judy Rabin was the president of the Electrical Association for 23 years, from 1993 to 2016. I had the honor of working for Judy for her last three years as the leader of the association and learned everything that I know today. Tom Copperwood is the owner of Norman's Electric Services out of Rushford, Minnesota. Tom was on the executive committee that hired Judy back in the 90s, was chair of the board from 1994 to 1995, and his company has been a member of the Electrical Association since 1962. I'm so thrilled to have these two here today as we take a trip down memory lane. Thank you both for being here. So let's get started. Judy, can you tell us what it was like interviewing for the role of president of MEA back in the 90s? What made you want to run this organization? Well, first of all, I'd like to say it's a pleasure to be back here and to see what a fine job everyone is doing in improving, growing, making things better. And so thank you for inviting me. First time I came uh, into this building, I met 24 people on the board of directors who were on the committee to hire the new executive director. And when I walked into the room, it was stunning. I had never been interviewed by that many people before. (laughs) And by the time I walked around the desk and sat down next to Glenn Straub, who was then the executive director, I looked out at this group of guys and felt right at home. They were all smiling and interested in hearing what I had to say. I grew up hanging out with my dad a lot, and every Saturday morning, he and I would go into town and sit at the businessmen's table at the 3570 Cafe in Siren, Wisconsin, a tiny town. And I got used to spending time with the local businessmen and hearing about their problems. And so I started to feel more and more at home as I listened to the people asking questions about how I could help them be more successful and make their association more professional. And by the end of the meeting, I thought, these are people I would enjoy working with and I would enjoy helping grow their businesses and giving them the things they need to help their employees become professional because they were as concerned about their employees as they were about themselves. So I left feeling very good about this group of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful. And Tom, was she a shoe-in or how was it on the other side of the table? Well, like I said, we we interviewed three or four. And um, when uh, the first three were, you know, not really prepared, they really didn't know that much about the association. But Judy came in and she never skipped the beat. She knew so much about the organization. And um, it, uh, she was very impressive. When we took a vote, 
22 of the 24 people our contractors supported Judy. And I remember Tom Sanger saying before the vote, you know, he said, if you don't hire her, I will. <laughs> so, you know, she made an impression. And I think that everybody in that room understood the simple fact that the MEA had to evolve. And it, it just wasn't going to be business as usual anymore. We had to, to reinvent ourselves or we weren't going to make it. So Judy seemed to be that person that could take us to the next level. And it, it turned out it was the timing was perfect for the for the time. And um, it, it just um, we had a little pushback from some of the older members right away. But, you know, Judy's pretty good at schmoozing. <laughs> Tom, what has your involvement in history with MEA looked like throughout the years? And maybe you can elaborate on on why you've been so loyal and involved to the association. Um, I came on the board. Glenn Stroop called me and actually it was fall of 85 and invited me to the spring meeting. And uh, Mike Buck had recommended me for our district down there to be on the board. And, you know, from the very start, I learned a lot from listening to the contractors. I was 28 years old, you know, and as as you live in a rural area, um, you know, you kind of live in your own world. And this kind of opens your eyes to a, a lot of things that go on. So it was a source of learning for me. You know, the early 90s, it just kind of we just kept moving forward with Mike Buck, Dutch Haskamp, Jim Grant, some of them, you know, went into went through the chairs, became president. Same year I built a house, so that was kind of a stressful year. <laughs> um, and I think I think we burned up back in those days. Our fax machine had those solid rolls of paper, and I, I think we went through like five hundred rolls that year with Judy. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I like I said, I served on the on the committee that hired Judy, and like I said, I I take a lot of pride in that. Um, it was it, it's turned out very well. Wonderful. Judy, what were some of your favorite memories or favorite projects to work on while you were leading the association? Well, I'll start off by saying how fortunate I was to have such a great executive board. Mike Buck probably called every day to help me figure things out and understand the dynamics of the industry and the association. Tom and Dutch and Don Welling were the other three members on the e-board, and, and I used to call them my dream team, and I called the board my band of brothers because I don't think I ever had any one of them say no to me. They were always ready to pitch in and help, and so that was my first experience, and it it really engendered a lot of loyalty on my part. The second thing was we closed down our health insurance program, and I spent a lot of time working with members to help them find other insurances, and some of them had serious health problems. So that was a way for me to really get to know a lot of the members in depth and develop a relationship with them. Then we decided that we needed an AWARE safety program because the penalties were significant, and that's when I met Andy Smoka from OSHA. And we wrote the program, and then I, 
<laughs> drug Andy all over the state. He said, everybody else comes to St. Paul for their training. And I said, well, we're not everybody else, Andy. <laughs> we're going to have to go out and see these guys because they're trying to run businesses and make a living. And taking two days to come down here for training is is a lot. So off we went through blizzards <laughs> and, and great weather. And every time we went to a class, it was crammed full. And so we created a, an amazing uh, situation of safety for our members to the degree that when the ocean specters would come out, they'd say, oh, we've got the MEA program. And they'd get, oh, well. So Andy was a real gift to us. And then, of course, the codebook sales help fund a lot. Our members put a lot of money in for developing code training and apprentice training. And then we experimented, and Barb, Barb Seaback and I got our legs under us with selling codebooks. But we knew we needed to expand margins. And then John came in and worked for us part-time which led to 15 years mm -hmm. with us, mm -hmm. but he really hit the ball out of the park in terms of expanding our code book sales and our margins, which meant we didn't have to keep going back to members for more and more money to create programs. And then I think the, the other thing was the legislative work with Bill Straczynski. I again took him all around the state so people wouldn't have to take time to come in and interview him. And Bill did a great job for us for many, many years and helped us put legs under our legislative program. So those were some wonderful, wonderful accomplishments. Oh, and getting, and getting the code classes online. Mm -hmm. Nobody thought we could do it. Mm -hmm. I didn't think we could do it, but I thought, well, what the heck? So we did a full court press. And by then, we were doing apprentice training online, and we invited John Schultz and Bill Bickner to get involved, and they saw what we were doing, and Bill actually helped us write part of the apprentice program, and they made an exception for us, and we were the first people in the country to have online code training. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. We had a, we had a lot of fun together, didn't, didn't mm -hmm. we, Tom? And you and you a and your lot of work. You and your fax machine and yep, yep. <laughs> the only thing I'm thinking though is, you know, I've ridden in a car with Judy before, and you're tired. <laughs> you're talking about driving all over the state with the lobbyist and Andy Smoke. <laughs> like mm. those must have been fun rides. <laughs> <laughs> we got there in record time. Yeah, I'm sure you did, <laughs> Tom. Since so many of our members work with family members. Any advice? How do you keep the peace? What are some pros, maybe some cons? Well, being in a family business, um, I've been in business with my, my dad started the company in 1946. I had an older brother, Glenn, in it with me and Jerry, my younger brother. And we took over about 1980. And there's always going to be issues at first. And, you know, we had to all kind of carve out our own world what we did best, and what was our interests. And that served us very well. I mean, and I looked at other contractors who were sole proprietors, and I didn't know when they slept because having two family members, you know, you have that trust. And so you can, you know, you can have a life outside the business. So that worked out. It works out good. But like it, it can be an issue. You know, personalities in a family can can 
can be an issue, but it all depends on communication. And, and like you said, you just, everybody has to have their own niche. Yeah, definitely. I could definitely see how there could be a lot of benefits, a lot more benefits probably outweigh yeah. the differences. Yeah, and some places up. people ask me all the time throughout my whole career, is there a family business? How do you do that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but when you have that extra layer of trust yeah. with people, yeah. it goes a long way. Tom, can you recall a hard time in your business that the association was then there for you? Well, I think the biggest advantage I've had with the association is right from the very start, coming to these meetings, talking to contractors. And, you know, these contractors that come here, you know, they're they're pretty darn good contractors. And because they feel, they see the, the value in, in the MEA. And I learned so much from them talking about different facets of the business. And then, of course, with MEA, you got the business courses and you got different things. So I think that, you know, knock on wood, my company has not really gone through any hard times. You know, always has, you always have your ups and your downs. But um, MEA made us better. It made us more confident. And we were, I think it really helped us pursue other avenues it did a great job for us. Um, we, you know, we use their services and apprenticeship training and code book or code test training for my apprentices. And so it's been a, it's been a good marriage. I like that confidence piece. It just made mm -hmm. you more confident as a mm -hmm. business owner. That's really cool to hear about. So let's hear about some of the fun. I know there's been plenty over the last couple of decades. What are some of the stories that you're willing to share from conferences or other times with the association that still put a smile on your face. Judy, you want to start? Well, let's just say the mischief level is very high <laughs> among our members. <laughs> and it's, it's hard to remember specific stories, but I have to say that Roger and Darlene Klein were often the, the leaders of the pack. And then, of course, Susie Helgeson came in with her beverage of choice, <laughs> which was something akin to Bailey's, yeah. only it was called hot sex. <laughs> so she would go around at the hospitality suite offering everybody hot sex. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, everybody had a good laugh about that. <laughs> and... So what would be other things? One day I went into, as I was getting ready for a board meeting, I walked into the shower at Fair Hills in our little cabin and screamed because there were two pink flamingos in my shower. <laughs> <laughs> and those, those pink flamingos went through many adventures and many iterations over the years. But so much of what what happened there was just in the moment, lots of fun, lots of jokes, lots of mischief. I've, I'll leave telling some of the Roger Klein stories up to you. And I must say, I think Jason Sanger picked up the torch from Roger Klein. You know, uh, Eric has a nice sense of mischief, but Jason is full on. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, and he, like his dad. Yeah, he's like his dad, Tom. Tom Sanger was full of mischief and fun. But a lot of it was just 
good rolling fun, and we had a great time. And I, the last meeting I was at was good rolling fun, and we were still having a great time. So if people want to enjoy themselves, coming to MEA meetings is really a great place to be because you not only learn things and feel good about making a contribution, you just can't help but have fun. We'll take that that snippet out for our next marketing promotional piece. <laughs> yeah, there you go. How about you, Tom? Um, I think one of the funnier ones was, um, this was before Judy, actually. We went to and toured Sherco 1, 2, and 3 up in St. Cloud, the power plant. And we were on the bus on the way back to the hotel, and here comes a vehicle behind us with its lights on. And we had forgotten the president. <laughs> so uh, I won't mention his name, but it was pretty funny at the time. So I, I, the only other thing, um, I mean, there's there's many, but it's just hard to remember all the detail. Um, Tom Sanger always told me the first the first time I walked into, he saw me walk into the room. I was young, twenty eight. He thought, oh, my gosh, these guys are going to chew him up. <laughs> and so it was kind of funny. Now, we see the pictures here at the office, you know, when we can go yeah. through the old bins. Were the fashion shows at Fairhills, was that way before your guys' time? That was before my time. But they did do costume theme parties. Right. Yes. Oh. And I will never forget Roger Klein in his hula skirt and his coconut shell mm-hmm. yeah. rosier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we we have some of those pictures as <laughs> <Yeah>. well. <laughs> you have to stop by the office to yeah, see. Yeah, I tell you story. I'll tell you stories about Tom later. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the horse races. Oh my God! <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been the Fair Hills. No, I, I remember the I first time know. I went. They all said, you know, the horse. I thought they were just kidding me. And so then at the was that supper they bet they mm-hmm. actually they bet. Would bet yeah they would. and. So anyway, they've got these horses that are probably 100 years old. They're wooden ones, and you you sit on them, and you have to start to rock them real slow. Otherwise, you'll go over backwards. And it's so funny to watch these guys. They get on there, and they want to go fast, and they're flipping over backwards. But you just got to get this rhythm going with it, and you just keep moving forward. And so it was, it was, it was fun. It was first time I did that i think they positioned doug kaler behind me because they knew i was gonna (laughs) i think doug kind of just carried me to the finish line oh my goodness i have not heard about these horse races was this pre-roly-boly oh yes this was pre-roly-boly yeah yeah Yeah. this was unique to fair hills yeah it was Uh, you can probably sing the song with me pelican lake is the scene you can make with your little ones. <laughs> that, it's, it's based on that song by um, Pelican Lake. Well, Pelican Lake, it's the song. I can't think of the name of the group, but, and that they just put their own words, words into it. it. And yeah. yeah, it was fairly good. Yeah. They did that show every Thursday mm-hmm. night. Yeah. yeah. All right. Tom, what is the single most important thing that MEA has done for the industry in all of its 94 years? Well, it's it's a hard one to narrow it down to one, but I think this one kind of encompasses a lot. Um, It gave a collective voice to contractors in the rural areas who never had that before. And, you know, in this new world, you know, in the last 40 years, the world has changed so much. And today it's so essential to have somebody like that because the 
the laws and the rules have gotten so much more intense. And contractors don't have the time and they don't have the you know, expertise to do that. Big companies, you know, they have people that just do that. But so it, it I think the biggest, most important thing for the MEA and now and, in, and going forward is to give us that collective voice, whether it's at the legislature or um, at OSHA or um, wherever it may, may be, to look out for our interests and to uh, warn us of things that are coming. It is interesting because we hadn't had an MEA member on the Board of Electricity for many years. And that was a big deal when we got Tom Sanger appointed and then a series of people after that. But it really did make a difference at that time because at that time, the Board of Electricity was an independent agency. It wasn't under the Department of Labor. And it actually had a significant amount of rulemaking power and enforcement power. And having somebody like Tom involved really did give the association a voice and, more importantly, a vote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Judy, what do you miss most about working with MEA members on a day-to-day basis? A couple of things. First, of course, I miss the people. I mean, we have a great staff. We have a great group of members. We have wonderful vendors. And some of my best business friends were regulatory people and people at the Capitol. So I miss the people. The other thing is, I think that I miss is the feeling of making a difference. Because we really did have a number of firsts. Mm-hmm. I do not take credit for those. It would, none of that would have happened without having a progressive board. And sometimes they scared me when they said, you've got to put the apprentice training online. I went, oh, my God, are you kidding? But we had a great staff, and we did it. So we had the first AWARE program in the country. We had the first online training in the country. And, you know, there were a number of things we had that were first, but it was because we had a really visionary executive board and board, and we had members who were interested in making the industry better and helping people thrive. And, and you know, the interesting thing is, when I say helping people thrive, it wasn't just helping their own business thrive. It was giving their employees a career. It was keeping people in their communities so that they could have good jobs and could support families. And it was giving quality work to their customers. I've always been really impressed about the depth in which our members think about their communities and how willing they are to give, whether it's Copper Roots uh, business, uh, volunteering labor to light up the football field, or whether it's Roger Klein putting a busload of electricians together to go up and help them when they have flooding up in Fargo, Grand Rapids. They're just people who care well beyond making a buck. And I find that impressive and empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I once heard another association professional talk about how working in an association industry is more impactful to the economy than than most other professions or any other angle that you could look at it. There's a lot of leverage. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of leverage in an association. Yeah. 
Yeah, I found that inspiring. Tom, what hopes do you have for the association moving forward? First, I'd just like to say that a few years ago when we replaced Judy, we knew that was going to be a very difficult thing. And, you know, we interviewed some people, some high-end people that, you know, had really good jobs. And, you know, it just something was missing. And, you know, meeting Clara and, you know, you know, I, I basically had it in the back of my mind that she just seemed like she was perfect for the job. You were just somebody that that understood it. And, I, you know, I talked to Judy after one of the interviews and I said, you know, isn't I think you were having your first child. I was on maternity leave. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so I was delusional and sleep deprived. <laughs> <laughs> so I just said, you know, isn't Clara interested in, in interviewing for this? And because Judy had said that, you know, Clara is as smart as they come. And if she doesn't know it, she'll learn it very fast. So I said, I feel much more comfortable with Clara. And we interviewed and we got, you know, you took the job and, you know, from all standards that I've seen, you've done a, just a tremendous job here. No, thanks, Tom. Yeah. So, I mean, going forward, I think that MEA just needs to remember who their customer is and, re and just remember what their mission is, you know, and always keep that mission first and foremost, because it's easy to get sidetracked. This thing exists to to for the betterment of electrical contractors throughout the state of Minnesota and other states too now with our other services. So it's all supporting the industry. And, you know, that industry has been very good to me, put my kids through college and paid the bills. So I think going forward, it's, it's pretty simple. Just keep on track. How about you, Judy? Anything to add? Well, simple is, I think, very true. Easy is not. And I think that you and your team and the leadership of the organization, frankly, are doing a great job. The strategic planning, I think, is critical. Continuing to be visionary and to look forward as to what, what are the needs so that you can stay relevant is critical. And you're doing that. So I think a lot of what you're doing is on the right track. You're continuing to refine. You're continuing to build. You're continuing to innovate. And all of that is done to meet the needs of your customers. And the codebook sales continue strong, and that's such an important funding arm. That's one of the things you're hearing more and more about in today's nonprofit world is how do you fund these organizations when you've got competition from everywhere mm -hmm. and more and more and more people are doing what this organization had the vision to do. And a lot of that goes back to Harry Kane. You know, much of what we built on and renovated and rejuvenized were programs started by the contractors working with Harry Kane. And many of those programs were dying, and we just found a way to breathe life into them again. And that is to help fund a lot of what we can do as an organization. And so I think you are doing everything you need to do to stay relevant. And I just say keep it up. Wonderful. Well, we are. We're doing as much as we can here with our staff and leadership, leaning on them as much as we can. It's been very fun. It's very cool to think about the future of the association and the industry. 
What is next for both of you? Judy, how is retired life going? Well, it's great. I have to say I have loved everything that I've done in my retirement, you know, and um, I take great inspiration from women like Pat Sanger and Diane Haskamp when they had to create a new reality after losing their their best friend and their husband. And I plan on traveling. I'll probably do some volunteer work, get into some mischief if I can, <laughs> looking for mischief, and um, enjoy life, enjoy my family and friends, and, and uh, once in a while swing by and say hi to you guys. Yes, doors always open. I'm always available for dinner and conversation. <laughs> How about you, Tom? Are you still in the business or easing your way out? Still going strong. Um, the problem is the business keeps growing. And so when you have a small business, you wear a lot of hats and it's hard to ease out. But um, I think I'm probably going to be working for another three years, maybe four years. I really enjoy it. I mean, the business is at a point that I've, you know, strived uh, with my brothers to to develop our whole lives. The automation business is exploding, and um, it's a good place to be. We have an amazing workforce, and so I'm having a lot of fun. And uh, as long as it's fun, I'll... I'll keep going. I, I, I would like to get rid of some of the pressure, um, the calls at 2 in the morning. But, um, you know, it's it's when it's a small business, it's pretty hard to just dictate what you want and what you don't want. So, you know, I'm my Wanda is kind of looking to, you know, she said, when are you going to retire? When are you going to retire? So, I mean, we take more time off. And, you know, when you get older, I just turned 66 a couple weeks ago. And so... It's, uh, you look at the world much different. I have six grandkids. And um, so, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I mean, I'm enjoying life right now to the fullest. So as long as I can continue this way and my health stays good, I'll continue to do what I can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, wonderful. Judy and Tom, this has been an absolute pleasure. Anytime I have the opportunity to learn more about the roots of this fantastic organization and how we became as successful as we are today, I am all ears. Thank you to our audience who tuned in to learn more about the history of the Electrical Association. I hope you enjoyed these words of wisdom from our guests. I would also like to say a big thank you to our producer, Katie Grams, for her work behind the scenes to create this program, and to Travis Lennox, our sound engineer, who makes us all sound as good as we do. Keep us in mind for your business needs and join us again soon at wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Claire Albert, your Electrical Association guest podcast host. Be safe, and we'll talk with you again soon. Spark and Conversations is a production of the Electrical Association. For more information, visit www.electricalassociation.com. Thank you.